Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of His Word as delivered at Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. Today, let's go to 1 Corinthians 6, chapter, verses 11 through 20 is our main verses of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 6, 11 through 20. And I'll read it in a second. All right, I'll read it in a second. We'll get there. 1 Corinthians 6, 11 through 20 is our main verses. And I got some other support scriptures. But I got to continue our new series titled 400 Strong. Everybody say 400 Strong. All right, it's come from 1 Samuel 30 about David having 400 men ready to go get their stuff. As I said to you before, many times we're in a battle, the enemy doesn't take our stuff. Amen. Our stuff, our material things. He just don't take our stuff. He just don't take cars and land. And in, in 1 Samuel 30, he came and raided Ziglag and took all their stuff, their children, all their possessions, everything they own. He took their stuff. But many times in the devil's raid for our lives, he takes our standards. So the body of Christ, sometimes we're trying to get our stuff back. Give me back my stuff. But sometimes we have also lost our standards. Oh, we got to contend for standards. It, it should mean something to be a Christian. Tell somebody it should mean something. It should mean something. Don't, don't jump. Don't jump quite yet to the first thing we like to say when we say we're Christian. The first thing we like to say is, I ain't perfect. And we know that, but don't jump to that yet. We know that. Don't, don't do anything that say, back off me. Back off me. Don't be expecting nothing here too much. Wait a minute, I ain't perfect. We, we know that. But there should be some type of light shining through our lives that the world can see that Christ has redeemed us. So 400 strong is an attempt. It's going to be a church strategy for our church. I'm just still in the hallway trying to deliver it to you in concept, in spirit, but it's going to turn into a wonderful church initiative that's going to help us do some things to build everyone up. All right. So this 400 strong, I've already preached a few messages. The first message I preached was bring back the saints. That's an attempt for us to understand we need mature people in the body of Christ. It's an attempt to understand that in the body of Christ, we got to be able to get along with each other. We can't be fighting all the time. We can't be coming to church, can't get along with nobody, all that kind of stuff. We got the same Father God, same Almighty God, same saving Redeemer. We got to be able to get along with each other. Bring back the saints. It's also a terminology that God don't want us to lose. The saints represents people who are committed, uh, sincere, and maturing in the things of God. We also put out a challenge that don't wait till you're old or older to become a saint. Don't give the devil your youth and give God your latter days. Oh, that's a real fight. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I already know. My whole fight in giving my life to Christ was all about my idea of having fun. Yes, sir. And after I was going to have fun, because I knew Jesus was right, grew up in the church, then I was going to give Jesus my life. But he wasn't getting it while I was young. He wasn't getting this life. No, he wasn't. He wasn't getting my commitment when I was young. I was fighting hard, and I got saved at the age of 17 years old. 
but I fought up until then. I always tell you, I dodged every altar call all my life. I grew up in a very strong church that had altar calls that I told y'all about where the mothers looked around while they sung the songs. They walked, hallelujah, come to Jesus. They walked around, it was hard. So all my life, ever since I knew about salvation, I had been ducking Jesus for almost, well, I want to say 17 years, but at least from age five to 17. Ducking and dodging Jesus, doing all these um, revivals, strong revivals. I ain't talking about these old weak revivals where nobody gets saved and no, no, no. Talking about strong revivals. I dodged it until I was 17 <laughs> and I gave my life to Christ because I figured that I didn't want to give my life to Christ when I was young. So we got a whole group of young folks who are getting used up by the devil, dragged through all types of circumstances, having experiences that they can avoid if they will give their life to Christ. Come on, y'all. And so I want you to understand that's why we need to bring back, say, bring back the saints. My next message, what I spoke on last week, Sunday, and I caught the rest of it on this Wednesday, was we need witnesses. We need people to be able to testify that God saved me and delivered me. Set me free. Paul gave a whole illustration of different lifestyles and sins that will not enter in the kingdom of God. Then he ends with, what I'm going to read right in a second, he ends with, let's go to verse 11. Let me just go start reading verse 11. This is what he ends with. After, he, after in verse 10, he released all these different sins. Go to verse 10. Can you put verse 10 up there? I know I'm kind of floating here, but thank you. Let's go to verse 10 so we can understand where we come from. Uh, verse 9, sorry. I mean, he went on, he just went listing all these different types of things that are not going to enter in. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. All right, I, go, I told you that Paul brought them to class. He brought them into a class and treated them like they was in a courtroom. And he's going to continue to use these sentences and questioning of them saying, know ye not. You're going to see it later today in our verses. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusive of themselves with mankind. Verse 10, thank you. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, stealers, extortioners, people who steal, revilers of people who are full of racism and hatred. If they do sins against the spirit, they talk down about people, they belittle people, that's revilers. Shall inherit the kingdom of God. All right, verse 11. And such was some of you. So Paul is preaching to people who was an ex-something. Now, everybody I'm talking to in here today, if you're saved, you ought to be an ex-something. Because if you ain't an ex-something, guess what? You ain't saved. Everybody who's saved is an ex-something. We've been somewhere. We've done some things. We've never done everything right, all right? But this verse Paul is preaching to them and say, y'all was not qualified to go to heaven. You was in all types of stuff, but you've come out of them, verse 11, and such were some of you. I don't know what it is about that just one little part. I just love it. And such were some of you. For me, I like that such were some of you because... The other thing it does by my transformation with Christ, the other thing it should do for us towards sinners is make us relatable. That's right. Amen. That's right. Amen. 
I said it should make us relatable in a way that we understood and understand what it is to be in sin and be in bondage. If you've suffered or, well, everybody didn't suffer. Everybody didn't suffer. But if you suffered under sin, you definitely know what it is to be rescued out of sin. But everybody didn't suffer under sin. Some of us got out of sin because it was the right thing to do. Now, because we didn't like some of the things we were doing, all right, because I want to say that, because that's why some sins are harder to quit. All right, some sins are harder to quit. All right, but you have to quit because it's the right thing to do. All right, and such were some of you, but ye were what? Washed. Ye were sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord. Thank you. In the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus, and by the Spirit of God. So what makes a difference in our lives is that we have been cleansed, we have been sanctified in the name of the Lord. Amen. Let's go to verse uh, 12, because this is where I get my focus from today. All things are lawful unto me, Paul says, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. I'm going to read the rest of the verses after that, but this is where I get my focus, and I want you to repeat after me today. Say, get your body, get your body. Under, control. under control. Say it again. Say, get your body, get your body. Under, under control. Get your body under control. Get your body. He says this powerful principle of the spirit. It's a principle of the spirit. I want you to understand the first things he outlined that I told you, the things that would not enter in the kingdom of God, would not enter into heaven, were commandment breakers. Things if you come break the command, you will not enter in. But now he's talking a little differently, and now he's teaching us a spiritual principle about things that could be lawful but not expedient. This is where we are challenged in the body of Christ because there are things in the, in the Bible that are not clearly black and white. And those things that are not clearly black and white, when we're not careful, sometimes the church doesn't do a good job of communicating the things that are not clearly black and white. Right? And if you don't know about it, some churches come from a long way of scaring people from God so bad that when they got saved, the first thing they received after salvation was a list of things they could not do. And so the first introduction after Jesus, you the Lord of my life, it will sit you down and hear all the things you cannot do. And that's very frustrating for a Christian who's trying to learn the ways of God, that the first things you learn are things you cannot do. And some of the things that some churches taught was way off center. Way off center. Now, there are some churches, some of y'all don't know anything about it, but I said in our class, a few of y'all will be going to heaven today based on this, some of these churches' principles. I'm looking around. Because in some churches back, way back, you only had to wear colors black and white. You got colorful, and you better not wear red. Or you better not wear red. You better red, that's the color of the devil. Now, I know some of y'all never heard it. Bless you. Amen. Some people meant well, 
but they were wrong. I like to say it this way, a lot of people were sincere, but sincerely wrong. Still wrong, but just sincere about it. And so the church has even gone through some things where they created all this legalism that even if we're not careful, they made holiness only what you wear. So they had a strong eye for outward appearance. Not saying outward don't matter, because hold up a minute, we're going to get to something. For those who are excited about it, oh, thank God, I've been waiting for that. No, hold up. But some people had a strong eye for outward appearance. And we have a strong eye for outward appearance for the Christian. If you're not careful, you become judgmental. Because God even warned his prophet when he was picking a new king. He says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So you got to be careful when you just look at the outside of a thing and try to judge a whole thing. So the churches even come through all these legalism type things to try to help, try to break some of the strongholds over people. Um, and they've got this thing going now. It's called deconstructing their faith some of you may have heard it some of you have not I don't really really like it it's a new thing going on but people have been in churches that hadn't taught well hadn't preached well and people don't really know what they believe and why they believe what they believe and so they're going through something they call deconstructing their faith I don't really like the terminology because you don't need to deconstruct your faith all you need to do is get in a good Bible teaching church a good Bible study and have something called discipleship (laughs) <laughs> you don't need no deconstruction all you need is some teaching get in the word some prayer some study and you can grow in God but because of all these things even the church in itself has made it challenging sometimes to help Christians mature but Paul is here putting a spiritual principle that I believe we must put into place if we're going to mature in the things of God all things are not lawful all things are lawful but all things are not expedient he says meats for the belly and belly for the meats but God shall destroy both it and them they're both going to go away now the body is not for fornication but for the Lord and the Lord for the body alright so it begins to show us as he drills down his thinking that we have to be careful what we do with our bodies I'm using the word be careful what we do with our bodies. I talked on last week and I'll try to go back a little bit really quickly that God made man in the anatomy of man um, basically threefold. One of them is spiritual, say spiritual. The next one is sensual, sensual. That means you have five senses. He made us sensual and the third one is sexual. The church don't talk about it but it's all over the Bible. The reason that Paul has to address it in the church is because God also made man sexual. It's the thing that we never teach about, talk about, but it's all over the text. God created this stuff. But I want you to understand in the way that God has made humanity, our spirituality must be first. It's all connected, but our spirituality must be first. That's what we believe and know about God. So our sensuality, sensual, don't lead our lives. You can't lead a godly life being sensual. You definitely can't lead a godly life being sexual. What leads our life and governs our life is we must first be spiritual. Say first be spiritual. 
This is the lens that changes everything in our lives because we don't first accept that after accepting Christ, we now must become spiritual. Now we subject ourselves to the other lower parts of our creation. Let me tell you, let me show you why this is important. Because no one consciously sets out in life to become a slave. You can easily become a slave because you're allowing your eyes to lead your life. You're allowing what you sense to lead your life. No one just sets out and say, I'm going to become a slave. Most times there's some form of deception that's happening in your life to deceive you or tempt you and lure you away from the standards of spirituality. All right. So I want you to know what you look at, it matters. And what you look at matters. What you touch, it matters. It matters, right? So let's go to Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Let me show you this in Genesis 3, 1 through 6. Because we got to be careful what we do with our body. So we can get control of our body. Genesis 3, I'm going to go to verse 6, verse 1 through 6. It says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, Ye may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it. Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. I want you to see very clearly that in her temptation from the serpent, Eve's temptation with the serpent, he's testing her knowledge of God. He's testing if she knows what God says. Because many times if you don't know what God says, you can't uphold the standards of God. He comes to test first, do you know what God says? Then after she repeats what God says, he says, oh, she know a little bit of word. Now he twists twists and deceives her, say, no, you shall not surely die. No. Oh, I missed a part. Okay. So I can partake and not die. Okay. And when the woman saw, y'all see verse 6? And when the woman saw, when she saw. So she had knowledge what she wasn't supposed to do. But she saw something. Her senses got to her. When she saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. I want you to see clearly her senses got in the way of obeying what spiritual laws God had put in place. I'm telling you, you have to be careful with your body, what you look at, what you watch, what you intake, because that's going to send messages to your spirit and messages to your heart. She was fine in the garden obeying God until somebody brought a different agenda, told her she wasn't going to die. 
manipulated the word of God and then she started contemplating hmm, and then her eyes started telling her it's okay then she's also the other thing that the enemy did in this in this, these verses he was telling her she's not sufficient enough because you know God don't really mean what he says he just know the day you eat this fruit you gonna be like God's in other words you gonna be powerful so in her mind, oh, I'm missing something in life. Right. I'm not as powerful as I could be. Right. I can have more if I would just do this. Oh, God done left something out. Let me get something else. And now she, her eyes has led her down a path. She's pleasant to the eyes and desired to make one wise. Not knowing she got everything God wanted to have. She took the fruit thereof, did eat, and gave also to her husband. That's why I'm telling you, you got to be careful of what you do with your body. We cannot act like our body doesn't matter. Right? Let's go to 1 Corinthians in the message translation, verse 12 to 13. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 to 13. 13. I want to read this in the message because it helps us understand what Paul is saying. Here it is. Just because something is technically legal doesn't mean that it is spiritually appropriate. If I went around doing whatever I thought I could get by with, I'll be a slave to my whims. Right? So although some things is not clearly as much as it is black and white, There are some spiritual principles that we have to open our eyes to so that we don't get trapped by the enemy. I want you to see clearly how the enemy trapped Eve. He took part of God's law, twisted it, then used her sensual and senses realm and brought them out of the will of God. The next thing you read further in Genesis, that now their eyes are open and they are naked and ashamed. Prior to taking the forbidden fruit, they were already naked. But the difference was, they wasn't ashamed. What happened when they took the forbidden fruit? Their consciousness opened to imperfection and what looked imperfection and sin. And sin. It's the awakening of sin consciousness. Before this time, Adam and Eve didn't have sin consciousness. Everything they walked in, they judged it from a holy point of view. Now they've taken forbidden fruit and they're already naked, but now they're naked and ashamed. They don't feel good enough. They, they sin consciousness is with them. They don't have the right confidence, esteem of God, and God has to go kill an animal, wrap them in skins. What they did first, they put fig leaves around them. Because now they're ashamed. Before that time, they're walking around loving each other. You're beautiful, I'm beautiful. But time sin consciousness come. Because of what they partook. See, we think sometimes we participate in sin. We don't understand everything we are partaking in. Or how it even tampers with righteous consciousness. They lost righteous consciousness and now it goes all the way on that if you read the story in Genesis, I've taught this before, preached before. Adam at first when God brings Eve to Adam, Adam looks at Eve and says, you are bone of my bone flesh of my flesh. God didn't say that. God didn't say Adam, here's Eve. Tell her this. He looked at Eve and said, you bone of my bone. 
flesh of my flesh. Whoa, my girl, you are made for me. You come from with, within me. Whoa. After they took the forbidden fruit, he was hiding. God said, Adam, where out there? The first response, instead of answering the question, sin consciousness, sin awareness. He didn't even answer God's question. God's question was, Adam, where out there? That's a question. I'm over on the left side of the garden. No. His response, what have you done? So and so I see. He said, it was the woman. You gave me, wait a minute, wait a minute. A chapter ago, she was bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh. A chapter later, because of the ain't eating the wrong fruit, partaking of the forbidden fruit, sin consciousness now happening. Now he's telling God, I'd have been fine if you wouldn't give me this woman. It's the woman you gave me. You. And a matter of fact, even make it even worse, God didn't even name Eve. Adam named Eve. He said, You shall be called Eve. He just stepped out in the spirit and prophesied. <laughs> Chapter later, after the forbidden fruit, it's the woman you gave me. Denial, running, scapegoat. I'm telling you, sin has a way of awakening in you a selfishness in you that you run from God, that you hide from God. It's more than just happening of the sin. See, we just think, oh, oh, we partake of the sin, that's all that happened. No, this thing went into their consciousness. God asking him where he is and he's talking about is the woman you gave me. He was like and I'm one of those kind of persons when I ask a question I want to answer. I can imagine the frustration of God here. No, no, Adam, no. We're not going to be denying here. Here's the woman you gave me. I'm just telling you. I know you're looking for me. I know you're looking for me but and I can see Adam's whole argument. Remember God you came to me. And you said, it is not good for man to be alone. So God, if you remember just a few days ago, me and you, we were good. <laughs> and I remember God probably looking at, probably looked at Adam and said, but you remember after I brought that woman to you, you said that was good too. <laughs> Telling you, seeing consciousness will push you away from God. Paul is trying to teach us something about what it is to live in the spirit. What it is to how to walk in life and how to now balance a spiritual life and make sure our bodies as well is pleasing to the Lord. This is where the church is really challenged on how to help people grow and mature. One of the greatest phenomenons, a new great ph phenomenon that's happening even today in time that we live in is that sometimes we don't know what to do with modern day trends. One of, the, one of the modern day trends that sometimes Christians don't know what to do is, is called tattoos. Everybody say tattoos. tattoos. So let's talk about it today, because it's on the body. Let's get in the word about it, let's go. Nobody need to worry about nothing. We're gonna be in the word. New Testament, let's go. Let's go to, I'm gonna go to Leviticus in a little bit. But the New Testament does not say anything specifically about whether the new believer in Jesus Christ should, Christ should get a tattoo. It's almost one of those things I call a gray area. 
However, I believe God gives us some principles that should help us navigate our lives. The New Testament doesn't say anything, but the Old Testament has something for us. The Old Testament does have something, so let's extract perspective from the Old Testament. Everybody all right? Tell it you all right. All right. Get worried about it. Let's get some perspective so we can understand some guidelines. Let's go to Leviticus 19.28. Oh, I'm going to teach. That's okay. I'm going to teach. Last week I talked about fraternities and sororities, Illuminati. I warned everybody to be careful when any type of thing that calls you to swear and give allegiance to other things that may take you away from Christ. I just warned you. I didn't say everything was bad. But I said, be careful. Leviticus 19, 28. Look at the New Living Translation. Any translation will still get you there. Don't cut your bodies for the dead. And do not mark your skin with tattoos. I am the Lord. All right, what's happening here? Context. What's happening here? God is trying to deliver his people, Israel, from customs of paganism. He's trying to deliver them and give them behaviors that don't trap them with people who are godless. So he's teaching them not to pick up on the customs of the people who don't know God. Because one of the things they would do as a part of being in idolatry as well, in idolatry, they would cut themselves. It was one of their ways that they really showed appeasement to the idol gods. They would cut themselves. They also would show loyalty by branding themselves with the God that they served. Right. And they did this in a way to show their loyalty and allegiance in idolatry. But what happens is the children of Israel, the Hebrew children, start picking up on some of the customs of what was going on in paganism. So he began to warn them, you are not to cut your body for the dead. So things that people would do in remembrance or similar to or to express love for somebody who passed away or put markings on their skin. He forbid them to do so. If you read the rest of the chapter, there's a whole lot of other things he forbid them to do so. He forbid them to having any meat with blood, uh, any uh, uh, um, clothing with different types of uh, material. If you read the whole chapter, there's a whole list of things because he's trying to teach them how to be spiritual. He's trying to teach them how to be spiritual. Right? And so this, this Leviticus 19.28 helps us to understand that many times what you put on your body is a sign of what you have allegiance to. So that's why you need to be careful of what you put on your body. Because it represents something. Everybody say it represents something. One of the things you got to be careful of with it is that you don't turn certain things into idolatry or you don't turn yourself into idolatry. It's something to be guided by that you make sure you're doing the right things. Now, if you're going to put some type of skull and some type of evil connotation on your body, we already know the Holy Spirit ain't leading you to do that. Now, we ain't got to get deep for that now. 
right? We ain't got to get deep for that, right? We ain't got to, if you're putting all types of things, and you better be careful, I want y'all to understand I'm still working under this main verse where he says all things are lawful, but all things are not expedient because I will not be brought under the power of the enemy. What he is saying is, you got to be careful what you do to your body because you also attract other warfare and other spirits by what you put on your body. He's trying to teach us to be spiritual. I know we're looking for the black and white, but sooner or later, you got to mature and start judging what you do with your body based on what you do in your prayer life. Because you can start attracting other warfare. And again, look, if you have a tattoo and you put a tattoo, uh, for example, on a woman on your upper thigh, that tattoo is either there only for you to see it or you're going to have to wear something mighty short for the rest of us to see it. Because now the tattoo that you have that is so pretty, whether it's a Tweety Bird or a flower or a rose, that, that sooner or later you're going to be figuring out, is this tattoo for me? I'm just teaching. I'm in the psychology of man. Y'all might sort of act like y'all. Is it for me, just for me to see, or this is for others to see? So we cannot act like things don't have spiritual significance and you can be attracting other spirits of warfare because of what you put on your body. Try to help you because of what you put on your body. Very clearly, I, I've said that the New Testament don't give anything specifically that is a sin. Clearly, I went to the Old Testament to tell you why Jesus, why God said they should not be doing it. So what I'm telling you, even with those things, you have to be careful. That's all. We know nobody ain't going to hell for having a heart and their mother's birthday written on their arm. We know nobody ain't going to hell for that. You better know nobody ain't going to hell for that. Right? But what I'm saying is you better be careful what you start putting on your body. Trying to give you good teaching because if not, you can get caught up in idolatry. And if you're not, if you, if you get accessible with something, the, the, the idol could be you. The idol could be you. So there's something we have to navigate about being careful with our bodies, right? So again, I have to teach this because you still, you know, some people think they always see a demon or see something wrong. That's why you got to have spiritual eyes as well. You can't always judge something outside. Like I said before, there was a the church previously who tried to judge everything by the, by the eye. They, look, they overlooked everybody with long dresses. Now, I, I, long dresses are very important in certain churches. Yeah. And you had long dresses and mean spirits. Yeah. Long dresses and nasty of heart. Amen. But they passed for holiness because they had a long dress. And we're looking at, we're judging the wrong thing, right? So again, you have to get, everybody say, get in the spirit. This is where I'm pushing you for, I'm pushing you past just the black and white, because the black and white keep everybody fussing for days. Sooner or later, you're going to know how to, you're going to have to learn how to possess your own vessel. If you're going to learn how to stay free and not attract other warfares, you know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I know I'm 47 and I'm going through, I went through some changes after I got married. But when I was younger and I was in the weight room and I was cut up, God had to discipline me. Because I used to love to walk through my apartment complex with my t-shirt on. My, what they call just the, yeah, I want to call it that. What it's really called? Tank top. 
I knew I didn't want to say that because that's not what it is. I didn't want to say the other one. I didn't want to call it a white beater. We don't wear no white beaters. We don't beat no wives. Rebuke in Jesus' name. Tank top. I walked through with my tank top. Come on, I, I was young and vain. I was young and vain. I walked through getting all Joe. What's wrong with y'all? We're going to teach up in here. Attracting other things. And then the next thing you know, I'm trying to live holy, but I done attracted all type of fornication. I done attracted all types of requests and opportunities. Oh, y'all don't want no mature around here. But I was a part of the own, my own warfare. Then I'm on the altar, Lord, forgive me. Uh-huh. gotta do this thing by the spirit so you gotta ask yourself many times what are you attracting what are you attracting what are you attracting mm-hmm. I got something else in here and it's not necessary for the body but it does have something for the mind we even have Christians who are focused on horoscopes that they think they're better because they're Pisces matched up with a Gemini. And because they're a Virgo, because they're a Virgo, <laughs> they think they matched up with an Aquarius. And we get caught up into all these superstitions, things that's below the covenant and the law of God. And we start judging our lives based on these horoscopes. And when you judge your life based on a horoscope, you're connecting yourself back to sorcery and a medium and witchcraft. Because I'm not blessed because I was born in May. And people born in June are no better than the people born in July. I like the people born in July. Because the people born in July. I don't know what pastor say because I know what I'm talking about because my last ex-boyfriend he was born in July (laughs) Christian folk getting caught up in horoscopes (laughs) cancers and all this other stuff I ain't got a problem with prophecy, but you got to be careful. Galatians 4, eight, let's go Galatians 4. It talks about it. See, these are all the things that we can deliver from. Yeah. I'll be blessed whatever month God wants me to be blessed. Right. I can have friends whoever God wants me to have friends with. All this stuff about because you're a Gemini, you can't get along with a cancer. And the next time you have a little disagreement with somebody, what month he was born? I knew it, boy, them cancers, they so stubborn. Like, like, like only cancer. People, boy, who's a cancer? It's stubborn. You got stubborn people all throughout the year. What are you talking about? We start getting ourselves mixed up in this foolishness. Oh, I told you I'm going to teach. I told y'all, I told y'all. Galatians 4, 8 through 11. Galatians 4. Earlier before you knew God personally, earlier before you knew God personally, you were enslaved to so-called gods that had nothing of divine about them. 
But now that you know the real God, or rather since God knows you, how can you possibly subject yourselves again to paper tigers? For that is exactly what you do when you are intimidated into a scrupulous sleep, observing all the traditions, taboos, and superstitions associated with special days and seasons and years. Why are you putting yourself in something that God freed you from? You could be blessed any time of the day, any month of the day, any time of the year. It ain't based on no month. Oh, May is the month for the cancers. We are free from that foolishness. We have been freed by the power of God. And all these superstitions. Step on a crack, break your mama back. A black cat is evil. All these different, and some people still embedded in all these superstitions. Don't let a man in your front door on New Year's Day. No, don't open your door to a man come in. That's what it is. See, I don't hardly know it, but no, don't open your door unless don't, the first person in your house got to be a man. So your grandma come knock on your door first on New Year's and she outside. And you tell her grandma, you got to go get a man. You ain't coming up in here until you go get a man. Superstitious. Involved in all types of paganisms and idolatry. Yes, sir. Got into our belief systems. I'm telling you, I know I'm talking about the body, but I'm I was trying to connect it to our minds. Yes, trying to connect it to our minds. This is what Paul is trying to teach now. I taught you the black and white, but now me teach you the gray because I got need you now to take control of your life and live in the spirit. Yeah. You're gonna get caught up in all this sage burning. Now, if you just need to get a smell out the house and freshen up the atmosphere, that's fine. Right. But be careful with all this sage burning and all this kind of stuff. Right. Right. All some of the stuff that's connected to idolatry, connected to mediums and spirits. Come on. There's something people don't even understand. I just taught even in our ministers class and it was talking about these beautiful bracelets that women wear. Somebody help me with the bracelets. Charm bracelets, a comp company. Is it the Pandora company that speak over those things? And it's another company. It's another company. I can't think of it. But it's another company, and all, they're into new age stuff. I'm going to send it out by email so y'all know what I'm talking about. The company, the, the owners of the company speak all over stuff. Right. Chant, they chant, the workers chant all day. And they make beautiful stuff too. You don't understand that even as people of God, by faith, you will take something and bless somebody with it. There are people who don't serve God, take what they do and speak their stuff over it. You got to become spiritual. This is where many Christians start having a conniption. When you start asking them to become spiritual. Now, I'm asking you to grow up and live in the spirit. Oh my God, no, I got to judge things. I got to pray. No, no, this is where God wants us to be. Paul says, look, all things are not lawful, but all things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. Right? So it's not that the thing sometimes that I can't do stuff. Sometimes it's best that I just don't do it. Yeah. You understand that? That I just don't do it. All right. I think, I think I, 
in that. You know, we got this big argument also going on. People saying, I don't know why they worried about what people wear. When we go to heaven, ain't nobody going to be wearing no clothes. Well, the truth of the, so if, if that's true, I'm like, well, what everybody in here doing with clothes on? Because clothes is not for God. Clothes are not for God. Clothes is for your brother and your sister. That's who clothes are for. So, no? so Alex and Andy jewelry. Alex and Andy Jury. You can do a Google on it a little bit later about Alex and Andy. They have some beliefs that are new age. And I'm just telling people, aligning, so you can just be careful about certain things, all right? Be careful about certain things. All right? So, <clears throat> what I was talking about? Clothes. Thank you. Clothes. Clothes. There are people who say clothes are for people. Clothes ain't for God. Clothes is for us to identify. When we see somebody with a a white robe on and a mask on, we kind of know they're a nurse or a doctor. That's identification. It's for us, not for God. Right? So, clothes is to help everybody else out in the earth. Right? So, clothes do matter. Everybody say, clothes do matter. We can't act like what we put on our body doesn't matter. Clothes do matter. Clothes do matter. We can't act like clothes don't matter. Some people are like, oh, I wish people just don't talk about clothes. I know some people get over-exaggerating with clothes, but clothes do matter. I mean, even you go to work. You go to work just dressed any kind of way. Go to work with your pajamas. Somebody has decided that pajamas doesn't fit the code for that place. You just can't go anywhere, everywhere. Come on now. Right, so clothes do matter. We can just act like clothes don't matter. Right, clothes do matter, right? So, so clothes is to help your brother and your sister, all right? All right, and so many times when you're clothes wearing, you try to wear clothes that you make sure as a spiritual person that you're not really going what I call distract somebody. Right. You know what I mean? There's a great line. There's a little fine line to it, all right? You know, I mean, I'm not saying be worried all day about what you're putting on, but you know, you know, look presentable, you know. You know, don't distract everybody every day. You know, don't show, don't show everything. Come on, women and men, come on. Come on, man. No, no, come on, men too. Come on, don't show everything. Don't show everything. Everything ain't got to be so tight. Oh, we got to teach this kind of stuff. Y'all, see, y'all don't, y'all don't think, y'all don't think it has nothing to do with spiritual growth. But it does. Everything can't be that tight. Come on. And, and, well, well, well I, I just like tight clothes. Well, when you're going to mature and start caring about your brother and your sister and everybody else. Right? Because I know the brother still may need some help and some deliverance, but don't set them, don't set them on fire. Don't show them so much that you set them on fire. I mean, come on. I ain't saying he human. Yeah, he human. But don't set them on fire. Same way. Brothers, don't set these women on fire. Come on. Don't show everything. I'm just trying to teach so y'all can get the principle. Because it's not to condemn you. It's to mature you. It's not to condemn you. It's not to condemn you, but to mature you. Come on, man. I mean, come on, brothers and sisters. Come on. Don't, don't do that. You know, what, 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 see, because if you're going to stay holy and live right before God, you have to guard your eye gates. We see what happened to Eve passed on Adam by just her eye gates. 
And I don't know why we can act like what we see can't bother us. See, one thing that helps me live holy, let me say it this way, one that helps me live holy is I know as well that I'm human. I told you I have a spirit, I also have senses, and I also have body sexuality. I know I'm human. So one of the things that help me live holy is I guard my eyes. If I keep looking at something, see, this is why we get in trouble. We think we can look at stuff and our mind not go places. And I don't know, some of y'all are just stronger than me and I need to talk to you after church. Some of y'all are real strong. Y'all can look at all kind of stuff. But like, don't bother me. Well, that's good. Everybody ain't weak in the same areas. Some people have strengths in areas. But I'm telling you, better watch your eyes and you better watch what you listen to. Y'all ain't saying nothing. See, I'm just trying to teach this thing. You know, like I said, you know, you can't just be sitting there in the room with your girlfriend, boyfriend, talking about we just going to pray together. And prayer in a loving relationship, prayer within a loving relationship, boyfriend and girlfriend, breathes intimacy. I said prayer breathes intimacy. In a loving relationship between the man and the woman. And the next thing you know, you're just sitting there talking about, put on some music. Next thing you know, you done set the atmosphere. And it's hard. Y'all want me to teach? It's hard to set the atmosphere and not follow through. See, we're the only people that just think we can set atmospheres and be just fine. Dim lights. So when I made my mind up to live holy and I figured out how the enemy was tricking me with my senses, I walked in there, turned on all the lights. I want it bright up in here. Open the windows. Hallelujah. See, I ain't saying nothing. Because you got flesh just like anybody else. And if you put your flesh in that predicament, flesh is just going to be flesh. I mean, that's all flesh is going to do. You're going to ignite the flesh of all. See, see, this is one of the problems that people have trouble because we try to act like nothing, uh, nothing excites us. We act like no aromas, no aromas don't bother with our senses. See, that's what I'm trying to get you to be spiritual so you can know. You're not talking to that man all the time for 20 minutes because you got to get information to him. You're talking to him because you like his cologne. And you went over there to smell it again. I'm gonna tell you, your senses. We try to act like our senses are nowhere involved, and we get lured into something. It's done. Just trying to teach so we can understand this thing. All right, let's go to 14. I think I think I think y'all getting it. It's clear. It's clear. Thank you. Because again, my heart is not to teach and condemn nobody because that's not what it's about. And when we get into the grades, like I said, the church sometimes hadn't done well with it and we've tried to scale a fish before we caught it. People ain't even got saved yet. We don't try to scale that fish. No, no, that's not what we're trying to do here, all right? All right, verse 14. And God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. He's still talking about the body. Verse 15, hear it again. Know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ. 
The other reason why you need to be careful with your body is your body belongs to Christ. You are part of the body of Christ. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of an harlot? God forbid. So in Corinthians, he really deals with sexual aspects of the believer's lives because that's where they were having strong issues. He said, you don't take your body and connect it to an harlot. And harlotry just means anything somebody is doing for sale, for, for fame, for fortune. All right, I talked about it on last week on how harlotry is big business. Pornography is big business. We don't even understand how gruesome it is that there are people who are kidnapped, children and adults, and sold into this thing for money. All right, this thing is perverted, it is wild, okay? So he said, you don't con connect yourself to these type of things. You don't get yourself connected in these. He says, harlotry even means sugar daddies and sugar mamas. You know, people who pay bills and stuff and help you out on other stuff. This is what he's teaching believers. See, believers need this type of teaching so we can grow. We are members of the body of Christ. I'm so glad y'all listening today. I'm loving it. Oh yeah, we got to teach. I'm telling y'all. We are members of the body of Christ. We are connected to the body of Christ. So we cannot do anything with our bodies because we are a part of the body. See, we got to get control of our body. We got to have discipline with our body. Our body can't tell us what to do. We got to get control of our body. Verse 16, what? <laughs> Paul, Paul's really going off in here. What? Know ye not that which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Now he's using these words called joined. So he's also saying even sexual intimacy is just like marriage. So it's meaning that sex is intended for marriage because it uses the word joined and the two shall become one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So he said, look, you can't just carelessly live a lifestyle like this. Right. Because anytime you do, you're acting like you're married. And while we think, and see, this world has re really reduced what happens when we have sexual intimacy with somebody. This world has really reduced it. This world, this world don't have God's mind. And it's reduced what it is and what it does to our lives. Right? And what is happening is supposed to be a sign of covenant. And if you just do it carelessly, it really disjoins you from God's understanding of your life and who you are and how precious you are. You got to take care of the body of the Lord. Yeah. See, when you start recognizing your body is the body of the Lord, it changes everything. Amen. So one of the ways I start asking myself when I was really going through deliverance is, where are you going to take God's body today? Well, you going to take God's body today. And it helped discipline me to keep God's body out of certain places. Amen. All right? 
Some people think the body doesn't matter, but the body does matter. Let's read Romans 12, 1 through 2. Romans 12, 1 through 2. The body does matter. Some people think the body, but the body matters to God. Romans 12, 1 through 2. Thank you. I beseech you, therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present your what? Your bodies. Your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. So that's our challenge. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. See, you can never do right with your body if you don't also renew your mind. So what happens is, Christians get saved and we try to keep our old mind. We get saved and we try to keep our old mind. And God don't want us to have our old mind. We got to renew our mind. We got to get new thoughts, new ways of conduct, new ways of behavior. But we want to keep our old mind. So what happens is we love God and we love a whole lot of other stuff too. And we struggle a whole lot of our Christian life fighting stuff all the time because we don't want to renew our minds. I always talk about my deliverance. Truth gathers should know my story. Know my story. I'm telling you, one of the things that God delivered me from Deliver me, and I'm gonna use this. I'm gonna use the word deliver me. Deliver me from R&B music. Deliver me. I'm gonna use it. I know you guarding your music right now. Hold on. For me, it was too much connected to everything else. Baby, I wanna hold you. Come on over here. It was connected to. Yeah, I don't know. It was connected to a whole lot of other activity. I didn't go to sleep as a teenager until I listened to Hot 105, which is a radio station in Miami. Yes, sir. And they played that slow jam about 10 o'clock. Yes, didn't go to sleep. That thing was deep in my spirit. Deep in my spirit. I had to work all that stuff out to start pleasing God. Had to get rid of all that stuff. See, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. So when you grew up with a whole bunch of guys the way I did and you sat in and you was in, in high school and before you went to class, you just sat up on the wall. Profiling. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. Been there, already done that. Been there, already done that. Been delivered from it. God had to unwind me from all that stuff. Right? To get it from, from, from to it taking me certain places. Y'all, Someone said, well, do he like R&B music? Yeah, I like R&B music. I said, well, hard to let go. A whole bunch of that stuff. And some of the stuff I never picked back up again. Some of that stuff was straight demonic. See, y'all playing with it, but right now, there's a man who's gifted, got a call by God on his life, in jail right now, by the name of R. Kelly, who wrote some of the most perverted music there is, and many people still love him, but right now, he's in jail! Because it wasn't just music, it moved into a lifestyle, and he moved into other things, and as a culture, people still love it! But a man is paying a price for it right now. That music was something else. It don't act like music not powerful. Music helps set moves. Oh, God, help. Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't need Lord Jesus. See, see, we act like music not powerful. 
But many people don't understand. I'm just trying to see how far I'm going to go in this. See, some of us just, at, some of us get naive with this stuff. And we don't understand the lifestyle, how the people was living in these lifestyles. And that stuff took them in all kinds of places. Gifted man. Broke my heart. Broken. To see a gift like that. Just as gifted with music. Write, sing. Y'all know the beautiful man. I believe I can fly. Wrote the beautiful song. But he wrote a whole bunch of other stuff too. Y'all see what I'm trying to say here? Yes, sir. All right. Romans 12, you got to renew your mind. Come on, verse 15, verse 18. We're doing good. Verse 18 says, flee fornication. We learned last week that fornication means all sexual immorality. Not just sex between an unmarried man and a married woman. It means all sexual immorality. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committed fornication sins against his own body. I taught on last week, uh, this week, this week, also there are categories of sin. Sin against humanity, sin against the spirit, and sin against the body. Sin against the spirit is, is when you talk wrong. It's racism, discrimination. <clears throat> sin against the spirit. Humanity is when you harm people, rob, murder, kill. Sin against humanity. Sin against the body is fornication and any sexual immorality, anything you do to abuse your body. And if you, it also includes drug abuse and substance abuse. Yes, sir. It sins against the body. Three categories of sin. But the, the category he's talking about is the sin against the body, which is fornication, sexual immorality. He says, free fornication. That means run. Everybody say run. run. See, the only way you can run if you first learn to walk in the spirit. And Christians got to learn to walk in the spirit. You can't be saved forever and keep crawling in the spirit. God had ordained us to live our life crawling in the spirit. Now crawl if you have to. Last measure, you about to get knocked out. The devil trying to, in your life, crawl. But daily living for God is a walk. Babies are born, the first thing they learn to do or get around is scooting and crawling. But as that child develops, you want them to be able to use their motor skills and get around by walking. Right? And some of us as Christians are still crawling in the spirit. And the Bible tells us to walk in the spirit and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We got to walk in the spirit. It means to be able to navigate life living according to spiritual principles so you can grow and have peace with God. So it says flee fornication. Tell somebody sometimes you got to run. Amen. You got to run. Be cool all you want to. You better get to running. You got to run. You got to learn how to walk in the spirit. You got to learn how to walk in the spirit. That's the maturity of the saint is to walk in the spirit. Verse 19. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. Oh, oh. I told you your body matters. He says, don't you know that your body is God's temple? When you gave your life to Christ, God said, now I can use that body. I'm going to go places with that body. I'm going to bless that body. I'm going to give that body wisdom and grace and ingenuity. He said, I'm going to bless that body. That's going to be my vessel to get around. He, you are the body of God. 
Verse 20 says, verse 19 says, you are not your own. This is the greatest challenge. Don't tell you the greatest challenge is to keep yourself saying you are not your own. You belong to Christ. That's one of the greatest challenges of life. Because it naturally, without Christ, we are stubborn and selfish. That's right. That's us. That's man. We feel like we're smart. That's why the Bible says, lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. He will die. Because we think we're smart enough. God gave us gifting already. So now it's about following him for direction. I don't pray all the time because I don't know what to do. I pray, I pray so I know what's right to do. Because sometimes I have ideas. I said sometimes I have ideas. And I have to pray. Because Lord, I know what to do in this situation. Hallelujah. I'm going to handle this one. I know, I know what to do. I'm going to handle them and I'm going to handle this. And sometimes the Holy Spirit said, no, this is how you're going to handle it, all right? right? Verse 20, we're ending. For we are bought with a price. Therefore, I glorify God in your, your body. And in your spirit. Oh, see how that word connecting? Your body and your spirit. You got to glorify God in your body and your spirit. The mature Christian want to act like only they have to pay attention to their spirit. But if you're going to really be strong, you got to pay attention to your body. Which are God's. So you've been bought by God to serve and you have not been bought to be a slave. I don't believe God has freed us for us not to have an enjoyable, lovely, great life. But it do, it do require us that we mature in the spirit. It do require us that we walk in the spirit become spiritual people Paul says it clearly all things are lawful but all things are not expedient I want to teach in a way that you definitely don't leave out of here condemned but you look leave out of here being more prayerful about what you do what you connect to what you do with your body your body belongs to the Lord even about what you put on what you wear and where you wear it We hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. Pastor Joseph Davis and the congregation invite you to join them. You can find more information by following them on social media. Just look up Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him.